and around 200 horses a year die on race courses or, or, or very shortly afterwards due to their injuries from the, from the race. Compassionate people are our kind of people. So join us as we explore what it means to live with kindness. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Conversations on Compassion. I'm your host, Jade. I'm Aaron. And today we are joined by Dean Stanstall, who is Animal Aid's horse racing consultant and has been working with us for years on our various horse racing campaigns. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dean. And before we get started, can you give us a little background on yourself, um, your history of racing and how you came to be doing what you're doing today? I'm Dean Stensel. I've been the horse racing consultant at Animal Aid for about oh, 25 years now. Um, and I come from a bit of a racing background. My grandfather was a bookmaker. I've worked in bookies as well, I've ridden racehorses. I've got ex-race horses myself. Um, my wife has had horses all her life. We've always been involved in the, in the horse world and uh, horse competitions. Um, and... Through that, sort of got a bit of background knowledge of the way the industry works. And I've also got a social conscience that one day I decided I didn't want to support that industry anymore. Amazing. Thanks, Dean. And we've just launched a campaign to ban jump racing. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Well, thanks for having me on this podcast, Aaron and Jade. I appreciate it. Um, Animal Aid have been campaigning for racehorses for over 20 years now. And in that time, we've made some great changes we've put racehorses on the animal welfare animal rights agenda which before then it was only really touched upon so maybe every grand national cheltenham was never really mentioned but we, we've sort of focused the issue more broadly on horse racing as a whole um which comprises flat racing and then horses running over jumps which we call which is called national hunt racing and over the years through our campaign in animal aid we've got many constructive changes they've been incremental and slow you know in with regard to time but there have been improvements for horses of course at animal aid we would like to see horse racing banned but um we're pragmatic and we realize that will be a slow process it doesn't happen overnight but our role is to put information in the public domain so people can make up their own minds whether they want to go racing or betting and over the years, we've seen changes to the Grand National, we've seen changes to Cheltenham, changes to Wolverhampton and Southwell and Sedgefield, racecourses that probably many people have never heard of. Um, uh, and a lot of that has been down to our campaigning, whether it's demonstrating or whether through online social media, you know, a variety of methods, TV, radio, local press. Um, and, all, and all those things have come together and, and got changed for racehorses. But it's got to a point now where we realise we've got to sort of step up this campaign and say, right, um, the racing industry are moving very slow and we need to give them an extra push. We need to really, really start to scare them, so to speak. We want to now take one aspect of racing, which is fairly provincial, just in, in, in global terms, in fact that it's Britain, Ireland and France. They're the main countries that do jump racing, national hunt racing. Flat racing goes on all over the world. But this is an area that we can focus on and get change and hopefully get a ban. It's not going to happen overnight, but I'm sure it will happen one day. And why are we focusing on national hunt jump racing? It's because if if we, we at Animal Aid, we, we, we name horses who die on race courses and we log those names 
on our website called horsedeathwatch.com and we've got a, an Irish horsedeathwatch.com. And on there, we, we catalogue the horses and say around 200 horses a year die on race courses or, or, or very shortly afterwards due to their injuries from the, from the race. And we found that about 75% of deaths come in jump racing, 25 in flat. So it's a natural to focus on the jump racing because the deaths are preventable and they're really horrific. When I mean, don't want to go into too much detail, put people off, but some deaths are really... Last week I saw a horse die on a race course and the, the poor mare broke her neck and her leg snapped and it was just hanging off and she was there on her back and life was just draining from her. And that was a bread and butter race on, on like a Tuesday afternoon. Nobody really knew about if you weren't a racing enthusiast, you know, that death would be lost without animal aid categorising that death on Death Watch. And some other groups picked up on it as well, I've got to say. Um, and the deaths are so horrific. You know, horses break the necks, they break the legs, they break the backs, they drop dead of heart attacks. And these are highly prevent. you know, these are preventable. And and the racing industry is putting horses in situations that a lot of horses can't cope with. And uh, I don't like to sort of say an analogy, but I, I've got three dogs. And if I put one of my dogs through that, I would be in prison. Yeah. You know, um, or e even if I, you know, I've got two X-ray sources myself. If I treated one of my X-ray sources really badly and they broke the neck through my um, uh, 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 negligence, I, I would again be pro. But the racing industry is allowed to get away with killing 200 horses a year. And this is wrong. This is why Animal Aid are making the big step of saying, right, we want to ban jump racing. We want to let the public know that jump racing is cruel, horrific for horses. Deaths are absolutely terrible. And it's got to come to an end. And the campaign team at Animal Aid, uh, Fee, Ian, Jessamy, uh, and Fleur and everybody else who's involved, we're all working together uh, to, to get this campaign on the road and we're starting off with putting bus adverts on the side of London buses saying ban jump racing. 3,000 over 3,000 horses have died um, since 2001. To be exact, it's about 3,250. Uh, 3, um, that's just in Britain alone that we know about. Um, and this doesn't include horses that get an injury and die two weeks later, as many do, or a month later from those injuries. They can't get over those injuries. So the, the attrition rate of horses used in, in, in national racing, I've worked it out that for every 58 horses who start a season racing, one will be dead by the end of it prematurely. You know, that's a high attrition rate for a sport, one in 58. Um, it's probably the most dangerous sport there is, you know, if, uh, as, as a competitor. It's probably, you know, and if you make the horse is a competitor, you know, forced to compete, so it is probably the most dangerous sport out there. Uh, it kills jockeys too. Um, the odd jockey gets killed, but not to the rate that the horses do. So quite rightly, we feel, you know, there's a moral stand to, to take and say, we've got to ban jump racing. So let's, Animal Aid's a, a progressive animal rights group, um, got a lot of clout. We're going to push this and we're going we're gonna to start getting it on the agenda and fight for a ban. Yeah. It seems like Maybe. a no-brainer if you know it's just so outrageously dangerous and is causing, did you say, 75% of the deaths, then why would yeah. anyone support that? And 
what like what why is it do you think that the industry you know uses these kind of jump racing if they know it's because am I right in thinking the Grand National has jumps in it right yeah the Grand yeah. National is, is the longest race in the racing calendar it's four and a quarter miles long there's there's 30 jumps in it the, the 16 different jumps 14 a jump twice and two singularly um so they've got to jump 30 times and those fences at the Grand National are very very demanding they're big they're strong uh, animal aid actually did Forced some changes on the Grand National. Way back in 2012, we spoke in Parliament um, in, a, in, a, in a committee room um, with the RSPCA and the British Horse Racing Authority at the time, saying that these fences need to change. They were literally solid tree trunks covered in 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 uh, a fur dressing, um, uh, and that the public couldn't see. So when horses hit though hit the fences, they immediately somersaulted, did a rotation fall and would break the necks or smash the legs on them and the legs would just snap and we went to parliament and said this is wrong and they, we got changed from that you know along with the help of the rspca and some you know and and the racing industry themselves realized they had to change that of course but the grand national is still deadly yeah. um and it's probably the one most people know about but that's that's uh, an extreme jump race but but saying that all jump racing is, is fairly extreme because yeah. you get killed on a Tuesday afternoon in February, um, yeah. you know, like that you nobody said, knows about. Yeah. But it's just over the years, it's been the Grand National that's been the main focus. But, uh, but of course, we want to highlight the, the whole of jump racing. So we're not just saying ban the Grand National, ban Cheltenham, the big meetings. Let's put it all in the melting pot and ban the whole lot. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Can I ask, Dean, obviously you've seen, like you say, that you saw that horse die recently and I think you said you've seen others die or suffer do the people involved like the jockeys or the people running the races do they seem concerned and upset or or is it just part of the whole racing industry that they, they just accept it and don't really care sadly I, I, it's difficult for me to speak for jockeys personally because we might get some flat back from that but I've seen jockeys walk away from from horses that are dead I've seen them run away Jockey, from jockeys run away from a horse that's laying dying. Um, some jockeys do stay with them, um, but other jockeys will just walk away. It's that they can be that callous. Um, mm. and, and and trainers and owners can lose horses time and time again. There's a very well known uh, or, uh, owner who's a billionaire, got lots of horses in training, had horses for years and years. Um, and many people like this, owners like this, keep throwing them at the Grand National, throw them in these bread and butter races. They get killed and uh, and they carry on with their sport, with their, whether they're doing it for money or whether they, I'm sure when, if you're a billionaire, you don't need the money to run horses. But yeah. And we've even seen some of these, these ex-race horses who've jumped these fences, who've won the, their owners nearly £200,000 one horse. We filmed that horse in the slaughterhouse at a young age. I think he was about 11, Vita de Rock. You know, he, he owned by millionaires who passed the, the horse on, uh, a millionaire trainer, Grand National winning trainer, passing the horse on, and the horse ends up in the, you know, shortly afterwards in the slaughterhouse. And not just him, loads of others as well. 
if people want to learn more about that, you can watch. We did a um, a program with BBC Panorama on that last year, so you can probably look that up on iPlayer or somewhere online. Um, and we have details on our website. But yeah, that was probably one of the biggest achievements to date um, for you, Dean and Fee, and everyone involved in that was just filming at these slaughterhouses and tracing back these racehorses, like you said, prolific horses that then just end up in the slaughterhouse because I guess the whole the whole crux of this whole issue is that these aren't seen as like pets like you said with your dogs like if people treated their own animals the way these racehorses are treated we would get in serious trouble and people would be disgusted but these horses aren't looked at like sentient beings they're just looked at as a money maker or some entertainment really and that is how we end up there. Exactly, Jade. And like you say, sentient beings, now, as if they've got no feelings. And, and they even whip these horses. They're yeah. still allowed to actually whip a horse. Yeah. And the racing industry in big discussions about this at the moment, and jockeys are complaining, saying, oh, we can't whip horses the way we want to whip them. And, but the reality of, 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 of whipping a horse in a race is that horses don't, even, don't just get hit on the backside. They get hit in the face. They get hit in the ribs. You know, it, it, and, and racing, I was on the radio the other day and the guy was saying opposite me was saying, oh, these whips are, oh, they're all soft and cushioned and padded as if, well, a horse can feel a fly land on the backside and swish the tail. So they can certainly yeah. feel a whip. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sort of end of argument, you know. Um, oh. And horses don't run faster because of a whip. Mm. You know, don't make mm. a horse run faster or win a race. One of our our supporters last week called up and she said that she had heard that not just in horse racing, even in sort of polo matches and stuff, that the jockeys would um, dig their heels as well into the horse quite severely, um, you know, to make them go faster or do what they wanted, which is also causing them them discomfort. Is that that true? That's right, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in in polo, um, some thoroughbreds are using polo. tend to be smaller horses, about... uh, 14 to 15 hands, 15 two hands, small, smallish horses. Um, um, and they have to turn very quickly. And they use something called a, a gag bit on them, which is a very severe bit. So you can just drag your horse around. And it's so painful for the horse, the horse responds immediately. It doesn't fight the bit. So you've got total, the horse is in total submission. Uh, so with a gag bit, uh, and that's what they use in polo. Uh, quite complicated, but you, you can just pull a horse one way or the other and it does it immediately for you. So they turn very quickly. And another way of getting them to turn is is a lot of polo riders have something called nub spurs. And I've got a little pencil here. And the spur is probably about that long on the heel of the rider, a metal spur. And they dig that into the horse, um, horse's side. And... Um, you know, it frequently cuts the sides of the horses just under the ribs. Um, and it's a way of getting to the horse to respond, you know, jab him with a spur quickly and they turn. Uh, and that's polo. I mean, we're so busy at Animal Aid, we can only really focus on horse racing. But if we look at horse sport in general, um, polo is is shockingly bad. Dressage for horses. You know, the bits, again, that you put in horses' mouths. Um Bits are, are severe, if not more severe, than probably whips. Um, it, because the, a horse's most sensitive part of the body is the head. And you control them with this thing in the mouth. And you pull them to one, you know, you pull them about with this. And, and racehorses, you know, a lot of uh, 
uh, uh, the way horses are ridden. A lot of them uh, are keenly ridden by by control of the bit, and they they put something in the mouth now called a dexter ring bit. Is the latest fashion to stop horses pulling too much because a little yank on the dexter ring bit, and it's very painful on on the bars of a horse's mouth. So a lot of issues in there. So it's about the whip, it's about the bits, it's about jumping the fences, kicking them in the side, um, as Aaron was saying. Um, lots of different aspects there. And, and, and all welfare issues that have been got away with for far too long by the racing industry and the equine fraternity. And it needs addressing an animal aid of the, 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 the people to do that because the, there's other horse charities out there who, who, who could be doing more, who could be shouting about this, could be getting out there campaigning much more vigorously than what they are. But um, but we feel that we're in the right position to to go out there and get them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like like you said, that it's such a big issue. And ideally, and we hope that in our lifetime, we'll see that racing altogether is banned. But for now, we can just tackle one issue at a time and try and address it. So I think for people listening, if they have been a fan of horse racing in the past, and we touched on this in our last interview of Dean, but Dean used to be involved in the horse racing industry. So, you know, this is not us kind of coming from an outside perspective and just saying this is wrong. I think a lot of this stuff is so normalised that people don't realise how wrong it is. But if you put it into the context like we've done previously of if these same people that are watching the races and cheering you on to whip a horse, if they saw me in the street and I whipped my dog, they would come and probably, you know, hit me and just be like horrified. So I think it's just putting it into that context for people and getting them to really think just because it's normalised doesn't mean it's right or it's okay. But, you know, having you explain it so candidly, especially someone that has been involved in the industry and knows what you're talking about, hopefully people can listen to this and just learn and evolve and kind of, you know, make those changes and not to feel bad that you've previously supported something, but just, you know, take that action and move forward now with the information that you have. Yeah, um, I, I think in a sense, you know, sort of been dealing with the racing industry in the past, it's sort of been helpful in getting a good grounding of what what's going on. And and, and I think in any campaign, whether it's um, animal experiments or intensive farming, um, or, or, or persecution of wildlife. Understanding the subject is key to getting the change. Um, I, I, I've done undercover stuff in, in intensive farms as well, and, and but you had to get in there to see what was going on so that you could then make the case. And, and I think that's, that's always a good idea for anybody who's thinking about campaigning. Get to know your subject, get in there, get a bit of experience, and then, then you can really turn on them. Yeah. And I can I ask if for someone listening to this, say if they were a big horse racing fan, is it as simple to sort of help stop things like this happening that they simply just don't place a bet, don't go to horse racing and that would have an impact or would they need to do something more? Uh, I I think, Aaron, those those are the initial stages. Um, I was a horse racing supporter and I stopped paying to go into races. I stopped betting on horses. Um, That's the first step. And if you want to take that further, you can come to organisations such as Animal Aid. We'll give you more information. Um, uh, 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 and if you're really passionate, you know, you can you can build on that yourself. And that that's in, in a sense how I sort of started, you know, just jump the fence, so to speak, literally. Um, uh, one side to the other. 
um, and almost overnight, almost overnight. Um, and so anybody who feels passionately, first of all, stop going to race and giving in your money. Um, don't bet. Don't give bookies your money because they all they all want racing to continue. And, it, and it's money that makes that industry go. So if we if people start to withdraw the money, they can't afford to put it on. And we're seeing people turning against racing because race course attendances, race course attendances are going down. I mean, they're still in the millions, but they're still going down quite significantly. Um, and you often find that it's repeat people going repeatedly to racing that is that are going rather than new people coming in. So I think. Our campaigning, along with a few other factors, is affecting race course attendances. That affects the money into the industry, means they can't operate so well. Of course, Cheltenham, the Grand National, they still get, they're still pretty popular, but but they they are fading to you know they are changing to some degree. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of our latest campaign to ban jump racing, um, are there any actions that supporters can take, um, to, or is it just sharing the campaign online? Uh, well, share the campaign online. We've got some e-news um, information going out. We've got Outrage going out, which is an Animal Aids campaign magazine. Um, we do regular e-news for members and supporters. Um, and also we've got the, the website. We've got various materials available, briefing sheets, fact sheets on jump racing that people can access if they want to. Um, via, via the Animal Aid website. So got a lot of information out there if people want to know more about it and, and, and get involved. Amazing. And if obviously, if you see one of our buses out and about, please take a picture and send it to us because that would be really cool to see. You know, well, just going back to what you said about the horse racing attendances going down, my sister, um, she went vegan sort of the same time as me, but she still continued to place bets on horses. Um, and it, well, I didn't directly say anything to her, but she did sort of herself see things um, whilst watching racing with horses falling over and things like that. So she sort of made that switch in her mind to think, you know, actually, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. So she stopped. So, so yeah, hopefully it's it's something that's dying out and people are, are seeing it for what it is. Yeah, exactly. And we've got, I mean, it's promoted like ITV racing, do televised racing and, and their coverage is very poor, you know. They'll avoid showing the reality of a dead horse laid there. Um, you know, they just want to sort of show the glorious side, the winners, the celebrations, and you know how much. What were the odds of the winner? They don't want to show you the the dead horse. They don't want to talk about how badly a horse has been whipped. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's very very one sided a lot of the media, and I think that's got to be countered. And and people can complain to ITV Racing saying, you know, why aren't you showing these dead horses? Show the reality of it. If you're going to show it, show the truth. Show a horse back in the stable with cuts and bruises on the legs yeah. where they've been whipped across the nose and they've got a big bruise on the nose, a big bump come up. You know, show that side of it. But they won't because they're making money from it. And, and again, the BBC, they give out morning tips on Radio 4, you know, bet, you back this horse. And they don't say how many horses have died or their tips, whether their horse died or not in a race. Mm. Um, you know, so it, it's it's the media as well who we need to focus on, not only the industry, but those support industries that support an animal industry. So we've got bookmakers, we've got TV, we've got radio, newspaper coverage, promoting racing. 
Um, uh, so all these are all these are supporting industries associated associated with industry with the racing industry that need a focus on as well and we're going to be doing that absolutely and like you said I think that's why it's so important that we put out the information to counter that because unfortunately it's just not out there and then you know people that generally really love and care about animals just aren't seeing the truth and the the dark side yeah, yeah thank exactly. you Thank you so much, Dean. And um, we'll you. put all of the information in the description of this podcast so you guys can see how you can get involved and support the campaign. Thank you very much. As always, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoyed the show. We love to hear from our listeners, so be sure to get in touch on social media with any burning questions. You can find us on Insta and TikTok at animalade underscore UK and on Twitter we're at animalade. You can also email us at socialanimalade.org.uk. Bye! Bye. <laughs>